Thanksgiving people. If you are American, tomorrow is American Thanksgiving. And so we will talk a little bit of Thanksgiving and we will move on. We promise because we know not all of our audience is from this country and they could give a shit. So there. Hello, Kathy. Welcome to Terror Talk. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. I'm happy to be on the show. Yeah. (laughs) Happy to be in the chair. Today on the show, we are going to do a longer segment on our meat topic for the day. Between the pieces of bread, so to speak, (laughs) is sleep paralysis. She's going to use a lot of metaphors today. (laughs) Get ready. It could continue. Sleep paralysis. We both watched some movies. This was a topic recommended by a listener, and I have their sleep paralysis stories and the recommendations from them for some sleep paralysis movies. And so we made a meal out of it. We made a whole episode out of it because I thought it was a great idea, and we take your guys' ideas. It takes us like a minute to get to them. because there's two. Because there's so many good ideas that, you know... So it's been a couple of months since this person sort of reached out, told us their story, but uh, I will email them and let them know what's happening. So if you want to email us with an I- a story idea, et cetera, just know I keep them all, I keep them all in the hopper and then we make time and we get to them eventually. So that's going to be the meat of it. But first we will start out with some other stuff. I think we should start out with your event. You were going to talk about an event. Would that be kosher? I just want to say that I'm a little jealous. Yeah. It's the only time you'll hear me say that I'm jealous of Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And I can say that because I'm from Michigan. (laughs) They have a Krampus haunted Christmas experience. Whoa, really? And it looks pretty amazing okay so if you go to fearcolumbus.com forward slash krampus you will find the page and there's a lot of goodness on here you can get your tickets there it tells you about the attraction as as well as other year-round events that they do but i just love the horror community because we continue after halloween (laughs) yeah right and so to know that we like all over the country those of us that love horror it continues all year long. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I plan that we are going to do like a bloody Valentine's Day episode. So we most certainly like, will. Like it just keeps going. And and then <laughs> for those of us here in Los Angeles, Southern California, on December third in Pasadena, they're also showing Black Christmas, my oh. favorite, the OG from I think it's seven nineteen seventy eight. On the big screen. Damn creepiest movie ever. It's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. The original. Yeah, pioneering the PO, killer POV. Really. Uh, it's a good one. It's a giallo. Well, and just before we... <laughs> it really is, uh, though. Okay, I believe you. We will talk more about that, I am sure. Hashtag giallo. Mm-hmm. Dario. Yeah. Okay. Argento. In December, we'll, we will do... Kathy just asked me this before we started recording hey can we do a double feature on the discord and watch with our peeps black christmas and better watch out because they're two of your favorite i love both of christmas horror movies and so i will accommodate and we will do that i love when you listen to me (laughs) i try to do it all the time i know and I appreciate that. And you plied me with red vines. So I did. What I was I going to do? Every time Shannon gives me something, I throw a red vine at it. 
It's like a treat she gets if she does I'm something right. I'm just the mutant in the corner That's getting red vines. <laughs> just throwing them at you. <laughs> I did want to talk a little bit about maybe some suggestions for Thanksgiving horror films. And by suggestion, I mean I've only seen a couple of these. <laughs> But we are going to program some in in our Discord, and so then we will. What will happen then is that in later episodes in December we will talk about them. However, we have watched one of them, and that was suggested by our patron and friend oh, Lou. Oh, so good. The name of which is Pilgrim, and it's an Into the Dark uh, offering on Hulu. For those of you who have watched the Into the Dark movies, they're on Hulu. It's available streaming on there. Pilgrim 2019. The brief description is when a woman invites historical pilgrim reenactors to stay with her family over Thanksgiving, things turn deadly. In Pilgrim, we learn there might be such a thing as too much gratitude. <laughs> so I just want to say we can we can review it right now if you want. If you start to watch it and you go, what is this? And, you know, it's, it's lame. It's, it's lame. Bad. Please, please go to the end. Just wait <laughs> because we are on Discord, so you guys couldn't see me. I was in tears, gut wrenching, <laughs> laughing. I have not laughed that probably zombie for sale was the last time I laughed that hard out loud. Mm -hmm. I was done. I was, <laughs> I had full on tears. I'm typing something to ice. I can't even get the sentence out because it is so, I love how at the end it just goes, you know, we're really not taking ourselves that seriously. <laughs> right. And then, just, you know, we're self-aware <laughs> the scene. I'm not going to give anything away, but the scene where she picks up the decapitated head yeah, from yeah. behind her and mm -hmm. just uses it as a weapon. Mm -hmm. I am. I was done. It's beautiful. And the music. Oh God. The music that they played during that whole scene about being grateful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. We obviously are saying give it a shot, but I will agree with you that if you like two thirds of it, you might think, oh, yeah, it's like I a might, whole other movie. I might need to turn this off. I mean, right. it's that sort of what? Like, where is this going? I don't like nothing's happening. You know how we all do. And <laughs> until it does with horror movies, we're like, nothing's happening. And then and then I, I feel you will be pleased I, if you go to the end kathy it, definitely was like cathartic laughter yeah yeah belly i mean i could tell because i know what that looks like yeah, in you yeah. that i could tell by what you were typing that you <laughs> were crying freaking out <laughs> and i also know that your responses on there when you're typing and stuff are genuine like oh you're not, sure you're not ramping it up i, I no, get no. like you'll you'll always be genuine so i know i, I, knew, I was i knew what you were looking i was done i was <laughs> and i even said i think it's because i also wasn't expecting it to turn that way no right that when it did and then they're still playing this this song about being grateful <laughs> Like so serious, almost like an like a very yeah. classical music that kind of oxymoron. Piece. Oh thing. my or, god! Yeah, it was just nice. watch it. I know you guys maybe not may not know what we're talking about, so you're like, okay, move on with it. But just watch it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we're just getting to some of the horror watches early because it's Thanksgiving. There's also a movie called The Oath, which is from two eighteen two thousand eighteen. The Oath is a Thanksgiving horror comedy about a family that can't gather for a festive holiday meal without getting in a huge argument. We've all been there, haven't oh, we? Yeah. Mm. yeah. The movie's plot revolves around the U.S. government forcing every American to sign a loyalty oath by Black Friday. Can you imagine how that would go over? Mm. No. At Thanksgiving, the family finds one family member refusing to sign the oath. There's always one. When two government agents show up at the house and question about his 
question the family member about his resistance, things get both violent and comical. So that's on Hulu as well. There's also Eli Roth's Thanksgiving from 2007, if you're into him. (laughs) Director Eli Roth's Thanksgiving is the fourth fake trailer out of five that was included in the director's Quentin Tarantino's and Robert Rodriguez's 2007 double feature Grindhouse. The trailer focuses on the insane serial murderer known as the Pilgrim, who goes on a killing spree on Thanksgiving to get his revenge... (laughs) his family sadly the trailer is for a movie that doesn't exist even though fans wish it did it's inspired by of course my bloody valentine halloween april's fool's day you can see it on youtube so if you just google eli roth's thanksgiving 2007 you can have a little quick joy moment if you like that sort of thing we on the discord will be watching thanks killing For those of you who do not know what Thanksgiving is, because there was a time in my life about two or three years ago that I didn't know what Thanksgiving was, and the internet opened my world. It's from 2009. Mm-hmm. It's a low, 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 low budget movie, and you can find it on Prime right now, Amazon Prime. Before you carve that Thanksgiving turkey, just remember that your hunger could be punished by a rogue turkey fueled by a supernatural spell. In Thanksgiving, Students are hunted by a demonic turkey during Thanksgiving break. This movie is very low budget (laughs) and it's more shock value than horror, honestly. Uh, But there's something fun about watching a bloody puppet of an evil turkey chase down humans with a chainsaw. I mean, 100%. Now, I know that Darcy and Joe Bob, uh, I think it was last year during lockdown times, I attended their live free event on YouTube where literally in Darcy's living room, they put up a white screen and showed things killing and we all watched and chatted with them. So that's that's, cool. So that was a lot of fun. You couldn't really hear the movie. You couldn't really, you know, like it, it was a thing. I had the movie going on my screen so that I could actually hear it, but and was listening to it was bizarre. they were dressed up it was a whole thing oh it's hysterical it was a lot of fun but we're gonna not reenact that necessarily for our <laughs> discord peeps but we are gonna watch it together i mean i could this try. coming friday yeah i mean show up at your house dressed like a turkey with a chainsaw i could be your puppet master just dress up like the turkey and we'll go from there okay okay one other movie i did want to mention poultry geist oh come on <laughs> night of the chicken dead people <laughs> 2006 poultry geist night of the chicken dead isn't your typical thanksgiving themed horror film as if there was a <laughs> so this is a trauma film kids so made by trauma best known for its indie creature feature film toxic adventure because we all know trauma but for those of you who don't poultry guys mixes gore and comedy as they do to tell a bizarre tale about zombie chickens on the loose oh my god it takes place at a fictional new jersey fast food restaurant that happens to be built on a sacred <laughs> native american burial ground deadly hijinks ensue you know good for these turkeys for getting these a-holes back right You'll have to rent this one. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but we'll also be showing, we'll also, not showing, we'll also be watching along to that movie for those who want to partake. (laughs) So those are a couple of ridiculous Thanksgiving horror. There's a lot of Thanksgiving horror movies. Just a lot of them aren't particularly well known. Thanksgiving isn't one of those, you know, Krampus holidays where they've Mm. made a lot of meal out of all of that. But in December, we'll talk more about Christmas horror. So there's a lot of those, but. Thanksgiving gets short shrift, mm-hmm. but it seems like the low budgeters are, you know, 
making it happen. So I believe you had a article that you wanted I to do. share. I, we're going to just change the pace of this just for a moment. <laughs> you mean we're not going to talk about zombie chickens? and We're not. Oh, I'm so sad. Um, we can always go back to that. Cool. But I wanted to share an article. It's more, usually when we're talking about COVID, we're talking about medical. Um, but the longer that COVID has now been part of our lives and we know that it's done a lot of destruction as far as physically and people have lost their lives and things like that now with as much time has gone by we've had time to look at what some of the long-term effects psychologically and psychiatrically have been for some people i want to preface by stating that this article was personal to me because i do have a client whose husband took his life after uh, having COVID and um, they're showing that a lot of the long-term effects are definitely uh, contributing to mood disorders, depression, anxiety, and things like that. So there's a really interesting article from LA Times from Saturday, November 6th. Dr. Maura Boldrini is a neuroscientist. It's called Looking to the Brain for COVID Secrets. So if you want to read that article, it goes into more depth about it. Um, but they've interviewed some people who are had COVID, all, all different versions of it. And some of these people stating, you know, very strange symptoms, uh, made even stranger because they were not there before. Uh, this one person said, I feel like this dread that I'm feeling is something organic in my brain. Psychologically, I'm not anxious about anything. So I think that uh, this is important because if someone out there that you know, or you yourself has had COVID and are experiencing this. I know that we've talked about brain fog and things. They have certainly talked about that and some of the long-term or even what we call long haulers. But most of that research has been around pulmonary disease and scar tissue. But I think it's really important to draw focus to our mental health as well. So if you are noticing since you've had it or someone that you know since they've had it are experiencing an increase in psychiatric symptoms to please point them in the right direction and get them help because it is something that I've experienced personally in my practice with clients, a couple of different clients um, around suicidality and depression and things like that. So I just want to put that awareness out there because we're still learning about what this virus is doing long-term, not to everyone. I understand not everyone has had long-term symptoms, but just sort of put it on people's radar. That's great. Thank you. Appreciate that. And again, switching gears again, because that's what we do around here. <laughs> we switch from the light to the dark very fast, just like we all have to do in our lives. So this is a leg little segment we like to call. <laughs> that was the crocus version of... <laughs> Kathy's Horror Facts with Cass segment, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and I need a piece of paper because you can do it with me if you if you want. Is I write down the questions and I guess at my answer. And then... Can't you say that's part of our work, though? It's like we might have one hour where we're dealing with someone who's really going through something and then the next client comes in and they're like, I've had the best day. Yeah, and you're sharing triumphs and, and we, validating uh, and, and supporting just, that. you just up and down all day, right? I think the show is an absolute uh, mirror of yeah. who we are as people, 
but also who what the work that we do because yeah. honestly if you know any comedians mm -hmm. uh, not that we're comedians but if you know any people that have great senses of humor and have a lot of humor and joy in their lives but also work as stand-up comedians they're like some of the darkest folks you know mm -hmm. at least for me absolutely and i feel like i definitely embody that mm -hmm. Like dark stuff, pretty dark stuff. Yep. Pretty dark nights of the soul stuff. Yep. But like thanks killing. Uh, that almost <laughs> just came out of my mouth at the same time. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Number one. Mm. Shan. What film was a quiet place initially intended to be a sequel to? Oh, interesting. I really love that movie. Mm -hmm. Same. Honestly. I, and I watched it by myself and I really just was sitting in the dark watching it. And, uh, you know, that really helps, right? I watched it on a plane the first time I saw it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I really like that movie. Okay. Number two. One of the ways the villain in this classic horror film achieved a particularly creepy vocal effect was to perform the calls upside down so we're looking for the the movie okay yeah, okay the villain in this classic horror film uh, movie a villain achieved the very creepy voice calls from performing them upside down okay okay number three which region of the world started the mummification process 2000 years before the egyptians you and the mummies i know i love them <laughs> and they're creepy so this is a, so the answer is a is a particular culture a particular place uh, you can even you can just say a country if you want okay. or a continent um so it started the process two thousand years before the egyptians okay gotcha number four name one thing a snake is fearful of okay and a thing not a being name one thing okay and then number five, I don't mean to laugh. You do mean to laugh. <clears throat> During the filming of The Wizard of Oz, according to Judy Garland's ex-husband, who was Garland repeatedly molested by? Oh, yeah. Not funny, Kathy. No. Okay. Thanks for that. Downer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. M again. I had no molestation, idea. mummies, and hanging upside down to make phone calls. So. That's, I had no idea she was molested on set. Nor nor did I. But then yeah, that's not a story I know. Not a not a movie I've studied, not a person I've studied. So Same. that's really interesting. All right. Well, that was interesting. Thank you for listening to the show. We're gonna be right back with our segment on sleep paralysis. Thank you so much. Okay, we are back. Let's talk about sleep paralysis. So this idea came from a listener of ours whose name is Kenzie Jones. And she was so kind and shared her story of her own sleep paralysis. And then in my communication with her, 
we went back and forth a little bit and she recommended some movies that she felt were representative or had a flavor of how it feels to have sleep paralysis for her and then we watched a bunch of those so what's going to happen now is i think i think actually kenzie would be the best person to be able to tell us a little bit about what sleep paralysis is like that's not you know the strict definition is you know you think you're awake but you can't move like you're asleep (laughs) (laughs) It's basically the Mm one-liner. So, but let me just tell you what she said. She said, I've had paralysis five times in my life. The first one happening when I was six years old and the most recent being this past fall. I vividly remember all the details of each one. When I have sleep paralysis, I'm essentially trapped in a lucid dream and I'm having this weird picture-in-picture moment, but it's also an outer body experience at the same time. I'll be aware that I'm dreaming and that it's a nightmare, but I can't take control of the team. I'm trapped witnessing it. At the same time, I can look through my dream and see the real world. When I'm in that state, I'm fully aware of my body and that I can't move it. And I'm also fully aware of time passing. I can see everything happening in my bedroom. One time I watched my bedside clock tick past the seconds, minutes, and hours while I was trapped. So that's her explanation. It's a long time to feel trapped in that. I know. It's awful. I, I believe you were going to actually bring an article that you had read about this that brings in sort of more of the cultural Yeah, there's so many different, you know, as far as the medical stuff, you know, before I get into the cultural stuff, we know that... Uh, there's a few different contributing factors. So there's um, melatonin. So we know if, uh, you know, based on some of the articles I looked at, if melatonin levels drop at a different stage of our sleep-wake cycle, um, this could lead to difficulty fully waking when the nervous system is stimulated, which may explain why the muscles are paralyzed when we're awake. And she did mention that melatonin did play a role in her sleep paralysis. And I know there are people out there that take melatonin. It's a very natural way to go to sleep, but that is something that can contribute to that. We know that it can also happen in people who are uh, sleep deprived or have had a lack of sleep. And it's a normal sleep paralysis is actually a normal part of a REM sleep. So the body intentionally goes, you know, quote unquote, paralyzed. So we don't get up and reenact our dreams, right? So we've, we know that, um, our minds working when we sleep. And if our body did too, we'd have everybody on the planet sleepwalking and creating a lot of chaos, right? So there's your next horror movie. You're welcome. And, and yet there's been <laughs> horror movies and, and even, you know, there's conditions that it's, it's, they've taken them to court saying somebody murdered someone while they were sleepwalking. So those are some of the more like medical jargon around it. But I did find an article from 2016 in the Frontiers in Psychology Journal called Sleep Paralysis in Brazilian Folklore and Other Cultures, a brief review. Um, So I'm not going to go as much into the into the brazilian folklore as much as i'll just cover some of the different things that they've said but the term sleep paralysis but was coined by wilson 1928 it's considered a disease when recurrent and disturbing uh, according to the international classification of sleep disorder third edition didn't know there was a thing it's classified as a parasomnia and characterized by unusual behavior or abnormal physiological events that occur during the transition between sleep and wakefulness episodes are generally accompanied by intense anxiety, inability to perform voluntary movements, even to scream or cry out for help. And in some cases, the fear of impending death. Okay. So we have different cultures that have interpreted sleep paralysis in different ways. So throughout human history, different people have interpreted sleep 
paralysis from a supernatural view. So for example, the Canadian Eskimos attribute uh, sleep paralysis to spells of shamans who hinder the ability to move and provoke hallucinations of a shapeless presence. In the Japanese tradition, sleep paralysis is due to a vengeful spirit who suffocates his enemies while sleeping. In Nigerian culture, a female demon attacks during dreaming and provokes paralysis. A modern manifestation of sleep paralysis is the report of alien abductions experienced as inability to move during awakening associated with visual hallucinations of aliens. And then the, the Brazilian folklore is based on um, someone called uh, the, the Pisadeira, which is a character of Brazilian folklore originated in the country southeast, but also found in other regions with variant names. The Pisadeira is described as a crone with long fingernails who lurks on roofs at night and tramples on the chest of those who sleep on a full stomach with the belly up. So you can see in all of these there there's overlap just like there are with religions right and i would say that the the center of this religion is that something or someone is sitting on the chest or not allowing them to move or speak and that is exactly what it feels like and i think a lot of this folklore is what has helped a lot of the horror culture develop you know the horror films that we've seen mm-hmm. yeah well and we also know how through your ancestry one's and ancestry folklore mythology can actually become part of the system mm-hmm. and part of this psyche right and so it's kind of chicken or egg because there are arguments in certain camps of psychology especially depth psychology that could say you know this is in the collective unconscious right. and so real not real like there's that debate right like imagination you know in horror movies of course they 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 take the bent of it's actually really a creature that's coming to get you and you Mm -hmm. have to defeat it and all of that which is important for culture it's important for story it's important for horror movies and so i think I think people who experience sleep paralysis, you know, in some ways it's in that collective unconscious and has been, has come down through our biology and our psyche. For sure. And so now those kinds of symptoms are manifesting in the culture because, uh, because of the mythology. So that's yeah. one way to look at it. For anyway. sure. I wanted to now tell you Kenzie's story, the, Ken- the story that she told us. So the most recent time that she had sleep paralysis was also, you know, was also the time where she actually figured out what was triggering it for her. I think everybody's different in this. I was spending the night, these are her words, I was spending the night at my then boyfriend's apartment after we had spent all day exploring Park City, Utah. One of the last things we did was go on a hike up Lambs Canyon, which is one of my favorite hikes. So she was having a good day, basically. It's a relatively steep hike with 2782 elevation gain over 6.5 miles. She saw animals. They played in the mud. It was, you know, there's really steep switchbacks. So a real workout, sweating, probably very tired that night. She was bruised and sore and achy. And, and you know, there was allergies everywhere because of, you know, being out in the wilderness and stuff, depending on the time of year. You just start sneezing and you're miserable. So I'm sure she really wanted some sleep, right? So her then boyfriend, trying his best to help take care of her, gave her some Tylenol PM. And because it was just, uh, you know, her nose was driving her crazy from the allergies, she also took some cold meds to to figure out the sneezes and, and allergies, sorting, sorting that out. <sighs> 
She was absolutely miserable, chose to trust him and took the loose pills he handed me and crawled into bed. So, you know, like any of us would do, have it been a bad day, you need a little relief from your aches and pains. So then she was out about half an hour before the sleep paralysis set in. And um, <laughs> well, the nightmare took place in that old school 1950s, like animation style, like the video game Cuphead, if you're familiar with that. There was, there was produce and devils and cutlery dancing around in my visions in these horizontal rows, and each character's movements were just slightly off from everyone else, creating this really chaotic atmosphere that gave her motion sickness and vertigo. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds not, miserable. Not good. What a nightmare to not be able to wake up from, mm -mm. and you feel sick in it. Ugh. It took me, it took, she's saying, it took me a lot more effort to push through the dream. It, it kept pulling me back in. I didn't even have control over trying to stay out of it. I felt like I was going to throw up and I was trapped on my back. I couldn't move. I couldn't roll over. I was terrified that if I threw up, I would drown. Oh, right. That's awful. Judging by the shadows cast through the moonlight coming through the window, it was about two hours Wow, two hours, a long time. Two hours of me battling this nightmare before the muscle spasm set in. Yikes. Remember that it was my whole body that hurt. So everything started shaking. That's what finally woke my then boyfriend up. And he thought I was having a grand mal seizure. I was shaking and twitching that badly. At first, he tried to wake me up by talking to me, but I couldn't move and I couldn't respond. He got frustrated and that wasn't because that wasn't working. So he reached over and gave me a small shove. And then I was finally able to truly wake up. I sat bolt right up in bed with a very audible gasp, which is exactly how it happens in the movies. They do that part in every mm -hmm. movie I watched. Mm -hmm. Oosh, so that's pretty bad. Um, she still had to throw up after she sprang out of bed and barely made it to the bathroom. Threw up. Long story short, she spent the next four hours in the bathroom floor crying because I couldn't, because she couldn't get up because um, her body was still shaking. She was still having the spasms. And the boyfriend, you know, helped her get back into bed because, you know, the twitches and she's so tired and helped her get back into bed. And, you know, all she wants, she says all she wanted was her weighted blanket for, or for her boyfriend to just literally sleep on top of her. So she would have that compression that we know helps. I did want to mention also, and this is really common for a lot of people that she does say that she has a sleep paralysis demon as well. Every time she truly wakes up after having it, I see this tall, like six, six and a half feet tall shadow figure. It's a one dimensional, not pure black, but shadow black humanoid figure that gives me strong male malicious energy. We normally have a stare down, even though he doesn't have eyes until I blink and then he's gone. This time he stepped towards me, meaning in this incident of sleep paralysis, stepped towards me like he was going to attack me before I blinked. A lot of people have talked about this. We've talked about this on the show before. So um, if people want to know more about it, just Google the hat man. Um, and I have also experienced that. Yeah. Tell us your story. Mine is nowhere near the severity of Kenzie's. Uh, I have a lot of empathy for her because the couple of times I did have sleep paralysis, I was able to push out of it in under a minute. Um, the first time... I remember vividly the second time it's more of like an essence. I knew I was in it, but I don't remember the details of it, but I uh, woke up and you're sort of, 
you're like in between sleep and awake. And I was under lava. And from the neck up, I could kind of move my head. But there was, it's not that I could even see the lava. It's hard to explain because you're kind of dreaming at the same time. But I knew I was under it. And I could not move any limb, any finger, nothing in my body. And I remember just laying there going, what is going on? But I knew that I wasn't totally awake. And so I started to tell myself, just try a toe, just try a finger. Like I had to use all this brain power to get me out of it. And then once I was, it was either my toe or my finger. I couldn't remember what it was, but once I was able to sort of move one of those, then it was like someone unlocked the, the, you know, the chain or whatever. And then it was, but the same, right. like, <gasps> like I, I came out of that and thinking, and I knew what it was. I wasn't, um, and then it happened one more time. Um, and then I, I've also had the, the situation where it was a man at the end of my bed and I looked at him and he had a, uh, dark eyes, a hat, the whole thing. And he was pointing at me and laughing and I couldn't move. And I woke up and I mean, I was hell bent on the fact that somebody was at the end of my bed and just laughed, like pointing and laughing in mm -hmm. a very like demonic kind of way. Yeah, it's that's terrifying. I've known people that have been detoxing from drugs and alcohol and have had shadowy mm. figures. It seems to be, again, in our psyche, you know, the, the idea of the shadow. Yeah coming at us or coming For sure. to us or talking to us or accusing us or haunting us, I, whatever word you want to use. It's in a lot of our literature and art and books and horror movies. And it's one of the things I love about horror movies is of course, a lot of our mythology is in them. So yeah. And we also know that a surge in dopamine can cause hallucinations. Yeah. So even if you don't have schizophrenia, it's very possible that you're, you know, we don't know what's going on entirely with our brains at night. They're, mm -hmm. they're repairing and doing all this work while we're trying to sleep. And those are the times that our, our minds are going to have like really vivid hallucinations and things like that, that are not necessarily pathological to the brain just kind of doing its work. Yeah. And it's confusing to us mm -hmm. because as we know, the brain is one of the organs that we haven't figured out. Exactly. And I don't know if, people really know that all the time or remember that all the time is that the brain is something that we haven't entirely figured out and right. that the, your medical professions actually professionals don't actually know all the answers about the brain. So That's don't, right. don't look at them as they look at them as people who are highly educated and have studied it a whole lot more than you have, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that they don't have all the answers either. So right. we also watched a bunch of movies. So, I'll tell you the list that Kenzie sent me of the list. You know, there's a lot more, of course, but she had sent me a list that depict similar things. In other words, there's a lot of paranormal parallels. And I can, you know, that you can understand how the old wives' tales and folklore surrounding sleep paralysis have, you know, come into the world. The demons that we're talking about, you know, the demons crouching on your chest wanting to suck your soul. There's all sorts of art around cats as well, like crawling up mm -hmm. on you and sucking the breath out of you. That's in some horror movies as well. So the movies that she talked about were not exactly what she experienced, but 
she remembers that in these movies, she, when she was watching, there was a flavor of it. There was mm-hmm. a feeling of, of mm-hmm. recognition. So Shadow People from 2012, mm-hmm. Dead Awake from 2016, the movie Nightmare from 2015, which is a documentary, and the movie Nightmare Detective from 2007, and The Entity from 1982, which a lot of you might have seen. That's a pretty classic. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, what what movie did you watch? <laughs> Let's go with the, one of yours first. Uh, I watched Shadow People. In this one, they talk about sudden unexplained death syndrome, which is something that they've looked into when there was that surge. I guess there was a surge of people um, experiencing sleep paralysis and whatnot that had died in their sleep, and they were young-ish. They were young adults. So it's sudden unexplained death syndrome is um, an unexpected cardiac arrest in young adults, usually at night during sleep. Um, It was originally described in Southeast Asian populations. Uh, The movie was, you know, it was it was okay. A a radio talk show host unravels a conspiracy about encounters with mysterious beings known as the shadow people Mm -hmm. and their role in the unexplained deaths of several hundred victims in the 1980s. So this goes back to what Kenzie and I think have both experienced, which is during these episodes of sleep paralysis, we have these visions that. Uh, there is someone there who looks like a shadow person. Obviously, in right. a horror movie, they're going to take it to that next level, and that's going to be the reason the person died. But you know, we don't know when we think about the the sudden, you know, the, the death syndrome that we're talking about. We don't know what these people are experiencing before their heart stops, and we don't know how much is is it correlated to the sleep paralysis. I don't think it's caused by the sleep paralysis, but this movie essentially, you know, connects the two. Gotcha. Um, what do you think of the movie in general? I, don't, I mean, the two that I watched, uh, neither one of them were all that stimulating to me. Um, and I'm, I don't, I don't know if it's just because it was mostly about sleep. I don't know. Um, it was <laughs> it put you to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was okay. I mean, I think the topic of, sleep paralysis is way more fascinating than the movies that have been made about it. I don't think the movies really capture what it feels like because the movies sort of externalize it as this demon that's coming in and it doesn't really give people who've never had sleep paralysis. It doesn't give you the essence of what it feels like to be locked in Mm -hmm. because in a movie, they have to externalize it to something else, which is no different than any other demonic horror movie as far as I'm concerned. Right. And so you watched Shadow People. What was the other one that you watched? Uh, The other one that I watched was the second one on the list, which was Dead Awake. Okay. So I also watched that one as well. So I'll I'll just introduce it. So Mm -hmm. it's called Dead Awake. It's from 2017. It's a horror mystery thriller hour and 39 minutes. So the director is Philip Gussman. The brief synopsis is Kate Bowman is a by-the-book social worker who's investigating a series of mysterious deaths. Each victim suffered from sleep paralysis, a frightening ailment that immobilizes its victims as they dream. Kate is approached by an unorthodox doctor who warns of an evil entity that haunts people in their sleep. She brushes aside his admonition, of course, but when a terrifying entity (laughs) begins to haunt Kate's friends and loved ones, she must fight to stay awake to stop the nightmare she's unleashed. Great to see Lori Petty, by the way. I always like to see her. The one part in this movie that was relatable to me and we just talked about about 10 minutes ago is the scene where she jolts out of bed when 
when she she can finally move and that's really relatable it's like <gasps> it's like all of a sudden you get your mobility back i think that was one of the only scenes in these two movies where i'm like okay that captures oh it's interesting because there's you know the different people in this movie that end up having part of the premise is that part of the premise is that if you believe in it in the demon then you will get the sleep paralysis right. and it will start to haunt you which i thought is a pretty great way mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. because it, it starts with one person having it and then another person having it and it sort of spreads throughout this group of people including the doctors including the shaman-esque type character and i thought that was pretty cool about it mm-hmm. is that for a horror movie that it you know is catching <laughs> right and so i thought that uh, almost everybody that woke up because of course some of the characters died of it mm-hmm. and so I thought everybody that we saw wake up from it did a really great job. So you'll see that representation several times in this movie, actually, of her or him or whoever waking up gasping, afraid, because this particular hag woman chokes them and tries to kill them by choking them Mm -hmm. and suffocating them, which which is pretty common in sleep paralysis to feel like you're drowning or choking or losing your breath, right? I thought that part was cool. I did get a sense of how... I mean, I thought the the demon was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this movie, I thought, had some good elements to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the performances were okay. I mean, I, I think sometimes movies suffer, of course, because performances are just okay. Mm-hmm. So there isn't anybody for me that's super captivating in this movie from, from an actor's st- standpoint. You know, nobody in particular for me was exceptional, and so I wasn't as drawn in because actors' performances can really shift a movie for me. Mm-hmm. But I did love the demon, and we got a lot of it. Yeah. So that was cool. And the use of the cameras of, you know, the creaking doors mm-hmm. and the spooky things coming through the door, like all that shit creeps me out, you know, like sure. when you're sleeping and nightmares and all that. So that part of it I thought was good. It didn't quite come together as a movie. I would go like, oh, I got to see this movie. But that's maybe like a four or five star movie. Not Most movies aren't that for me. Right. If someone was struggling with sleep paralysis, I might recommend this movie as a to act to, as a discussion point meaning here's a few movies that w- if you like horror movies here's a few movies that we could you could watch that i've watched that we could have discussion over whether or not it resonates with you so i could see that being a therapeutic intervention and this might be one of you know three or four movies what about you i do i mean i i i didn't I didn't dislike the film. Like I said, I don't think there's anything. um, The film as a standalone film was good. I just think that when you're making a movie about sleep paralysis, it's just really hard to embody that feeling. Like it's hard for people to really, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's like you get the externalized version of it. You see the demon on the outside. You see being trapped in that is a really hard thing to to make happen on film. Well, and I think that direct, you know, if you think about horror movies in general and the horror movies that you have visceral experiences with, meaning you feel mm-hmm. it in your body, those are very rare. Yes. So it's a, yeah. it, it takes an extremely talented filmmaker and it also takes you. Like you have to connect to what's happening in it and feel it viscerally. Yeah. And that's just very rare for mm-hmm. most people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But I did, I mean, I did 
like this. Out of the two that I watched, I like this one much more. Sure. Yeah. So I also watched Nightmare, which I would recommend. It's from 2015. It's actually a documentary on sleep paralysis, but it's also kind of acted out and kind of creepy. So it's unique in that way. The director is Rodney Asher. It's eight people, ex- eight people experience sleep paralysis, a condition which leaves them unable to move, speak, or react. So you've got eight different people being interviewed and talking about sleep paralysis. And I would say if you have sleep paralysis, if you're curious about it, or you want to hear some people, other people talk about it to feel validated and try to understand what's going on, I would say start with this one because it's only an hour and 30 minutes and it's got a lot of information in it that I think is valuable and it's it's a pretty good documentary. The other movie, I, I watched two other movies actually that are on our little list here. I watched The Nightmare Detective from 2006. Mm-hmm. It's a Japanese film. Mm-hmm. A detective, Hitomi, investigates a string of suicides where the victims slash themselves in their sleep. Horror mystery thriller, hour and 45 minutes. You guys know I'm always drawn to Asian horror, so I watched this one first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I might have watched the documentary first. But I almost the watched list, this one. Yeah. But of the list, I'm like, that one's got to go. And it's a great it's a great movie. There's a sequel as well. There's a Nightmare Detective too. Nice. Which I have not watched, which now is on my list because of this. So thank you, Kenzie. It's a slasher. But it's a self slasher. They have the <laughs> they have sleep yeah. they have sleep paralysis and people die. <laughs> but there's an interesting twist to how they're dying, why they're dying, and it's got a it's definitely got an Asian vibe to it, a little bit ethereal, but it's also a slasher. There's lots of gore, you know, there's lots of blood, mm-hmm. there's lots of death. It's just a self slasher. Nice. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to watching the second one. I would say just as a horror film fan, and Mm -hmm. especially if you like Asian horror, it's a it's a good one, and it's a good time. Meaning there's like slashing, so it makes for a good time. Yeah, (laughs) that's fun. Um, The other one I watched was Slumber from 2017. 85 minutes long, directed by Jonathan Hopkins. A doctor must confront her own nightmares while battling a parasitic demon that preys on people while they sleep. This is interesting because I noticed that not a ton of people have reviewed this on Rotten Tomatoes because I'm always, you know, I do a little bit of research about sort of the general feeling in the community of a movie before Mm I watch it or program it or use it for the show. And I did that. And it's so funny because this movie was like, barely anybody watched it. It's got really bad uh, audience reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and there's very few critical movies. So I just don't think people have seen it or watched it and Mm -hmm. the people that did, which are only, I mean the people that reviewed it on there was only like 100 plus people. So just not very many people. I didn't think it was necessarily a horrible movie, honestly. Uh, It's got some good acting in it. I think the, the female actor in there... Maggie Q. Okay. She's really good. You've seen her in other stuff. Okay. I would say, I would say Dead Awake is probably one of the better movies on this list. Besides, like Nightmare Detective is my favorite. The documentary Nightmare is really good. I liked Dead Awake generally speaking like three out of five stars. Yeah. Like, give it a watch type of thing. Mm-hmm. If Especially if you're interested in this topic. And then Slumber... Mm, in some ways it sort of 
didn't come together like that as well. I had watched it first. I had watched it before Dead Awake, and I, I was kind of like, okay, well, that's an interesting, like, contemporary 2017, really recent representation of a horror flick that has some disturbing sleep stuff in it, and there's definitely a parasitic demon in it. Yeah. So, meh. You know, it's got that sort of two and a half, three, like, Mm -hmm. if you're interested in this topic, give it a whirl. But it's it's not a great horror movie. Right. I can't recommend it that way. I would recommend Nightmare Detective. Okay. (laughs) Because. I almost watched that one. It's a slasher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean. one And and generally speaking, a lot of Japanese horror is really terrifying. (laughs) It it is. It's not. It's not. It's its own genre. It's not not terrifying. Let's put it that way. So I think on our, one of the things we're going to do on um, our Patreon, just so for you guys, is that for those of you who are Patreons, 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 <laughs> is that a football team? Patriots. Patriots. If you're a Patriot, join our Patreon. No. Is we're going to do a little bit more of a weeding out explication, whatever word you want to use, of sleep disorders in general. Our patrons will get that in addition. So if for some reason you happen to be in that Join our Patreon, you get some more discussion about this, and then you're also going to get, you know, about 40 other mini casts that we've done. Mm-hmm. And so there's some extra content on subject there. But anyway, I want to mention that because that's one of the things we're going to record a little bit later. So thank you so much for listening to the segment on sleep paralysis. And most of all, thank you, Kenzie, for giving us yes, the topic. Thank you so and much reaching for that. out. We, we so appreciate when you guys give us topics because it opens our minds and then we get to go down a road that I wouldn't necessarily have ever. Yeah, no, this is a great topic. Been down. So mm-hmm. we're going to come right back with our horror watches and reads and whatever other else we get up to so we'll be right back Okay, here we are. Books, movies, shenanigans, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I uh, we have just finished a book in our book club. We have a book club on our Discord, which you can become a part of if you'd like to become a patron. But we always talk about the books here on the show too, and we do a live voice chat with our patrons. Those of uh, those who are in our book club, the Cursed Lit Crew. Yeah, that's true. Voices in the Snow by Darcy Coates is the book we just finished. And we are going to be starting our next book this week, and it's called The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. And y'all know that book because it's won a bunch of awards, and I have it has been on the list for a while. And now we're going to do it in the book club, which I'm very excited about. However, let's wrap up Voices in the Snow. It's a Black Winter book one. I believe there are three so far there's uh voices in the snow which is number one secrets in the dark a second whispers in the mess is the third so that's i don't know if that wraps up that series one never knows but a trilogy is always a nice way to go i think for an author it's just long enough yeah (laughs) especially horror is like it's just long enough to kind of do it justice (laughs) it's the first time i've ever read a trilogy by her i've only well that's great i think you've read two other books by her i have yeah so she's got many (laughs) 
many, many books. She's like the Patterson of ghost writing. <laughs> yeah, for she sure. It's about ghosts. So this one I enjoyed in mm-hmm. general. Like mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this. So it's got these two characters in the, at the center of it, Claire and Duran. And they are, it's an isolation horror it starts out as an yeah. isolation horror. It starts it's like starts out with a bang. She's like trapped in this car and she's in the snow and no one's around like there's action from page 1, which I really I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, "Okay, we're in it." <laughs> okay. okay, then. And one of the reasons why I uh, uh one of our patrons picked this book to read, but I picked it out of the list that I was given because of the snowy part. Like, I'm like, okay, that'll be isolation. It's getting into the winter. We can get those wintry vibes going. And boy, does it have wintry vibes. I would say read this in January, February when it's actually really cold wherever you are because they are cold. The descriptions of cold in this book for real are fantastic. And, and, and same with the pain when they yes. describe her nausea and head. Like I almost feel like I'm getting hit in the head when she's getting hit in the head. Yeah. Darcy has done an exceptional job in this. In We were talking about visceral feelings earlier with the sleep paralysis uh, topic. And I viscerally could feel the cold of these people. They're freezing and it's so freezing. So anyway, she gets rescued out of her her car crash or whatever happens. She gets snowed into this car and she gets rescued and ends up in a castle. And, you know, the hilarity ensues. Not so hilarious. But what I would say is that you go, you're going in one direction with this book and you think it's going to be sort of a stereotypical Darcy Code's haunting kind of thing. That's what you're kind of looking at and expecting. Mm-hmm. And we all sort of started to say after the first chunk of reading, which I would say was like the first 80 pages or so, all of us thought, uh, okay, <laughs> something needs to happen. Here we go. So it was a little bit for yeah. some people, it was a little bit like, okay, got to get it going. Got to get it going. Horror fans are impatient with their horror. It looks like there's four books to this series. Okay. Um, I, because I'll be traveling quite a bit in December, I'm probably not going to be doing this next book with y'all, but I've thought I might read the second one of this one at my own pace and just let you guys know where it goes. I, I'm going to be reading the second one as well. Are you? And okay, I think so Ice maybe you and well. I can talk about it. Ice then. Is as well. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, just because I, I, I may not be able to keep up with the schedule, but I'm really, I, I liked how this ended and I really kind of want to figure out where it goes. Yeah. And for those of you who aren't in the book club, just so you guys know, we have every Sunday we do a little chat and we have paced reading. So it's like 80 pages this week, 70 pages this week, et cetera. And you can have those little on as you go chats or there's some of our members that don't want to do that. They want to sit down and read a book in three days. And so they just show up for the voice chat that happens at the very end. So you actually have the choice of either or. So if you're a reader, want a book club, want to pay five bucks a month to be a patron and support us, you know, you have the choice to do that. You don't have to do the paste reading. But those of us who, I mean, I, I held down the fort on the paste reading because some people do want to do that. So yeah, when we finished that chunk, that was basically the feeling was like, okay, come on. But then in yeah. the second chunk shit started to shit go down really starts to happen and then the third chunk woo! yeah which is what i which is what i was um explaining when we had the the last chat because i know people who hadn't read her before and totally understandable were like hey i really want this to, to start going somewhere and i was like if 
this is like any of her other books. I promise you she's going to deliver. It's just because it's a series of four. I think she did a really good job at, at developing the characters because now this relationship um, and now, you know, the sister and all that, there's relevance to it versus let's just jump right into the action. Absolutely. I mean, I told one of our members because, you know, some people research the book. Some people just go, I'm reading whatever you guys are reading. We're just yeah. reading in a book club reading. And so right. I'll just read whatever. And they don't necessarily research. So I did tell one of our members, like, by the way, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is I had said three books at the time. But, you know, this is a series taking 80 pages to set up a whole series isn't so bad. Right. (laughs) And then that really helped actually, because then she was like, Oh, okay, that helps me because then I kind of know that we're going to go somewhere and hopefully it it lands. And I really felt like it did. So they were, she was able to wrap up the first story, like a self-contained book because there's a story that's happening there and but you understand and she sets up a larger story just like most good series it's like you can see where the larger story mm-hmm. is could go mm-hmm. but but the first story is very much wrapped up at the end of this yep. but there's all these tendrils right there's, there's all these little and it, and it and it ends with a with a bait for the second one of course right. which is a good way to go as an author <laughs> Yeah, no, there's a total bait. And that's why I was like, and I know that Pepper and I were even talking about this on the Discord. We're like, I wonder if this book just will be good in isolation or, which it was as a standalone book, but she's smart. The way she, the last couple lines of the book, you're like, ah, fuck, I got to get the next one now because she just gives you that, well, and that even little with, nugget at the end. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And even with that, because it was one of what the nugget is certainly something that wasn't resolved. And so you, that's right. You're like, okay, they're going to address that in the next one. Right. So she gives you a little nugget. But honestly, you can tell that the story is much larger than these two people. For and sure. So obviously, that's what she's going to do because the, so the, the tropes or the subgenres that you are looking for in this book if you like those things is certainly in isolation horror there's certainly there ends up being you know a boy girl dynamic so Mm -hmm. if you like that there's creatures there's apocalyptic you know end of days themes one of the things that she incorporates in every book i've read so far which i understand it's only been three books but she doesn't in every single one is family Okay, and there's a family. The use of lineage is there a is a very, family. There's a there lot is of a lineage stuff in her books, yeah. And then and but you also know that there's something going on out go, going on outside in the larger world, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, you assume that in the future books, they're going to leave the house. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's what I'm guessing. They got to leave the house, and then there's going to be this bigger story. Well, just like you said, you know, they've already started to introduce some potential characters yes. from a distance that I think we're going to meet in these next couple books. Yeah, so she did a really yeah. great job of introducing a whole lot of ways it could mm-hmm. go, but also having a self-contained horror story mm-hmm. with some creepy shit in it. Yeah, in my opinion, I thought I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And our next book is the only good Indian Indians. And you know, if you if you don't become a part of our book club, that's perfectly fine. But I would say read this book because it's won won a ton of awards. And it's like if you're a fan of Jordan Peele or any of those kinds of books, like this takes place on a, uh, a Native American reservation, I believe. And so I'm just really looking forward cool. to it. So that's our next book. Yeah. And also Kathy and I and one of our patrons and friends, Ice, are going to read the second book in this series. So over the next month or two, you'll you'll hear about that one as well. That is Uh, correct. 
You had another. Um, so I introduced a book, uh, a psych book, a neuropsych book, I think on one of our last episodes by Lisa Feldman Barrett, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett, no relation. Uh, I wish there was. She's brilliant. She has a lot of stuff out on neuroscience, but she has a book called Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain. So I've been just diving into this. Uh, it's really simple. It, it can be for psychologists, laymen, um, you know, neuropsych students. But more importantly, I think it just uh, really goes into something that we were talking about earlier in the show, which is really how little we know about the brain and some of the debunking that they're really trying to do, uh, you know, especially around humans being the elite species. <laughs> and so she goes into, in one of the chapters, she's talking about how, I'll just read the, the paragraph real quickly. She says, so you don't have an inner lizard or an emotional uh, beast brain. There's no such thing as a limbic system dedicated to emotions and your misnamed neocortex is not a new part. Many other vertebrates grow the same neurons that in some animals organize into a cerebral cortex if key stages run for long enough. So what she's doing here is she is really debunking this myth that we have what's called like a triune brain, like a three, you know, the neocortex and the limbic system and, you know, the, the reptilian part of the brain. She's saying that is that is old information. Okay. And so she says, and while it's true that we're the only animal that can build skyscrapers, invent French fries, these abilities are not due to our big brains alone, as we shall see. Moreover, other animals have evolved abilities that surpass ours in significant ways. We don't have wings to fly. We can't lift 50 times our own weight. We can't regrow amputated body parts. Such abilities are superhero powers to us, but business as usual for allegedly lesser creatures. Even bacteria are more talented than we are at certain tasks, like surviving in harsh, unfamiliar environments such as outer space or the insides of your intestines. She said, your brain is not more evolved than a rat or a lizard brain, just differently evolved. And so she really approaches, there's a lot more, and I'll talk about this in other episodes, but she really goes into talking about the human brain from a very, very different place, not from an elitist place and not from a, a triune place, but really from like a net our, our brain is a network it's a system and it's no better than any other creature it's just very very different and next week i'm going to talk a little bit about how she goes into the purpose of emotion and the purpose of anxiety and how as a society we have deemed that to be really unhealthy um, and problematic and that and and how that's actually used against people in the court systems and things like that. So it is a fascinating book and she really brings a whole other side to neuropsychology and neurobiology. And I, I know she's done a lot of podcasts. Um, so if you're interested in her, again, her name is Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett and she is just changing the way that we look at the human brain. She's quite fascinating. That's great. Thank mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I like it when you bring bits and pieces of the books, you know, along, we go along on the journey, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> With some of the books. Yeah. And, and like you, I have an incredibly intelligent book that I am going to give you guys a little bit of that I've read a couple more chapters of. So those of you who listen to the show regularly might know that I originally started reading the book, The Haunted Vagina. <laughs> By oh, Carlton Mellick III. Lawn boy's going to love this one. Go on. <laughs> uh, 
so what I feel I'm doing is just a little a little story time with Shannon. I'm not going to read the, I'm just not, I'm not going to read the story. I think we're all curious about this though. <laughs> I'm not going to read the story of course because that would be copyright infringement and I do not I want Carlton to get his money because he's an independent author and he's written a bunch of really kooky things and i think you should all go out and support him to write more kooky things (laughs) (laughs) this particular book is only 90 pages long and i've only made it through uh, so i when i spoke about it on the episode a few weeks ago i spoke about chapter one and like the basic premise right Mm -hmm. so now I've written, now I've read chapters two and three, and it did not disappoint. So the thing about a 90 page book or a novella is that they're going to get right to the point, right? For those of you who weren't around, here's I love the, the cover of the book. Here's by the, the way. basic premise. Can I get a picture of that for Instagram? We got to post that. You can. <laughs> I would be happy and Carlton would be happy. It's difficult to love a woman whose vagina is a gateway to the world of the dead. It's the basic premise. Okay. She's going to take a picture. <laughs> so Steve is madly in love with his eccentric girlfriend, Stacy. Unfortunately, their sex life has been suffering as of late because Steve is worried about the odd noises that have been coming from Stacy's pubic region. <laughs> so basically, in the first chapter of the book... Does it describe the noise? Like, is it screaming? Is it yelling? Is it cheering? Yeah, kind of in the first... The first chapter really gives you the sense that he hears moaning, really. Okay. And they don't and sh- and he doesn't know where it's coming from. And she basically says, "Oh, that's coming from my, my vagina. vagina." And he, he says, "That's the uh, usual oh, thing, right?" Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. So there's a thing. Now, by chapter 2, which is only a couple of pages later, you know, he sort of says that they've been together, you know, they haven't had sex for a while because after the initial chapter where he realizes and she sort of says, well, my vagina is haunted. <laughs> he's maybe not as interested, but he really likes her. And so the chapter kind of goes into why he really likes her and all of her quirky little habits. And literally the chapter is like two, two pages long. It's a very quick kind of okay. read. It's very quick. And, and, and so it just gives you the feeling that this guy actually like really likes her. And he's in love with her and her vagina is haunted. And this is a problem. This is the basic conundrum. How does one's vagina get haunted? We don't know yet. So the next thing that happens in the book, because I'm going to take you all along on this 90 page journey. Like was it someone else's vagina that she inherited? Rented? (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out. I guess we will. But in chapter three, let me tell you. He amps the ante. They haven't had sex in a while and that's an issue. And so they start talking about it and she's sort of like, I don't know what the big deal is. We could just not have sex. And he's like, Oh uh, yeah, mm -mm, no, Uh, that's a problem for me. They sort of, you know, they've both, they have this issue where, and there's, there's sexy times in this book and, but not so sexy, right? Because she's haunted. Her vagina is haunted. So they kind of talk about like, well, we're both interested in anal, but nobody wants to receive. And then they talk about, well, we're both interested in, or like trying to find other ways around the vagina. To not get into the haunted house. To not get into the haunted house. To not (laughs) open up the portal to hell. And then they talk about, well, we both like oral, but we don't necessarily each want to give it. Like they're both pretty selfish people apparently in bed. And, but they decide that oral, we can probably tolerate giving each other, you know, there's a, 
quid pro quo. You give it to me, I'll give it to you type of situation. What happens in a lot of couples? What ends up doing is they get down to business. It's been about a month. They get down to business and they decide to use the 69 position and they're doing the oral thing. And what she's doing is keeping her legs really tight together so that, you know, the portal to hell is not (laughs) open. (laughs) So he's only in the driveway. Yeah. I mean, she calls her clitoris a glow worm. So... She, he's on the glow worm, but like it's a little bit difficult going because yeah. the knees are like clapped he's, against He's him. in the driveway. He's not allowed to go into the it's house. Quite, it's okay. quite humorous, okay. in, in my opinion. I mean, it's written very tongue in cheek, but also, but also realistically, like, so then of course, you know where this is going. Yes. The legs don't stay closed. That's right. The portal opens. So then what happens is when everybody orgasms, a skeleton crawls out of her vagina. <laughs> Two hands. A hand. Like jazz hands? A hand. No, no. The oh. description is lovely. No, not like jazz. No, there's no dance. <laughs> there's no like, hello. Oh, you're acting like that would be so weird. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually quite creepy. One skeletal hand comes out and grabs one thigh. The other skeletal oh. hand comes out and grabs one thigh. Parts her thighs. Head comes out. Like just crawling right skeleton out of there. Skeleton coming out of the portal of the the haunted vagina. Who's skeleton? We don't know. Comes out, hmm. scares everybody the fuck away. I mean, here's an orgasm for you. Like everybody just had, like it's one of those, you know, like in horror movies when yeah. they have an orgasm and, you and then killed. someone dies. Yes, exactly. So, so then she of course freaks out and then there's the skeleton there crawling out of her and they, and they're trying to pull the skeleton out and, and she's backing up and he's trying to pull it out and figure out how to, I mean, it's a thing, right? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And then eventually the guy he, uses a crowbar or whatever and gets the damn skeleton out. Here's my thing though. I'm just going to digress. Oh, there's just one thing. Yeah. Cause my thought is this, <laughs> let's say the, the relationship doesn't end up working. Sure. I mean, God knows why it wouldn't. Gosh, I don't know. And he starts to date somebody else. Sex is never going to be this. How do you, how do you, oral sex? How do you outdo that? Right. What was your sex like with this last partner? Well, let me, where do I start? My oral gave her skeletons in her vagina. (laughs) I gave her an orgasm orally and the skeleton came and tried to kill me because that's what kind of happens, right? The skeleton comes out and kind of comes after him. But I feel like he would almost begin to kind of like that. And then he'd be with someone new and he'd be like, where's your skeleton? Skeletons in the vagina instead of skeletons in in the the closet. closet. Mm -hmm. So they pull the, they pull the skeleton out and then he's got to kill it because it's trying to kill him and then he's got to kill it and then he kills it and she runs in the bathroom and hides or whatever and he's like there with a dead sort of like a evil dead type skeleton it's got pus and it disintegrates into ash i mean like bones and ash and kind of just and then that's where the chapter ends okay you're welcome. Thank you for that update. You're welcome. That is way more fascinating than seven and a half lessons I'm about the brain. I'm just telling you, what about the brain? I, well, let's talk haunted vaginas. <clears throat> I, I can start with a, a movie, though. Let's go. That yeah, takes how us, do we transition from that? It's going to take us back to practical effects that made me think of. Yeah, because this would definitely, if it was a movie, you'd have this oozing yes. skeleton of pus, red and blue pus. He goes into description and it and it dot, you know, it dies and then disintegrates. 
I love they, that. They really should make this into a movie. <laughs> it's like, okay. Whatever. Especially for someone like myself who loves to go back and watch movies like The Brain from 1988. Oh, yeah. Tell us yeah. about that. Dr. Blake runs a TV show called Independent Thinkers, which is a sort of Scientology-like self-help religion program, but he's not making his audience think any more independently. With the help of an alien organism he calls the brain, he's using brainwashing and mind control. The only thing that stands between them and world domination is a brilliant but troubled high school student with a penchant for pranks. Okay, wow. So if you like practical effects, which is why I go back and watch these really ridiculous movies from the 80s, this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'm sitting there and I'm watching it but on a break at work and my my brother texts me, he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching a movie called The Brain. And he goes, oh my God, I think I saw that in the theater. Oh. And my first response was, Why? <laughs> Um, and then he starts to go on and tell me the storyline. I'm like, and you remember it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It imprinted. Yeah. So we talked quite a bit about that. There's, there's a, and then it has like the eighties, uh, you know, boob foo tit horror where like the, the female scientist to try to like lure this high school student in. She's like trying to get him to hallucinate, like whips one tit out while she's doing it's like the obligatory tit shot, but really doesn't have anything to do with the plot. No, but from a practical effect standpoint, if you look up the pictures, the brain is hysterical <laughs> and the, and I just miss movies like this that use this i mean it's pretty elaborate well i for think what this they did. just dropped to shutter is probably why you saw it like it came up on the uh, shutter list i saw it on prime but oh, okay it, but maybe it, but sometimes my prime and my shutter depending on which well, one yeah, i go prime, through will amazon uh, owns shutter so, so yeah. right and sometimes i'll watch shutter and not be on prime but mm -hmm. i was on prime so it could have been you oh, know i love the, the poster the picture yeah and it's the, got the brain right on the front isn't that brain fantastic it's amazing it's a fun like Again, you know, I understand everybody out there isn't as in love with practical effects and 80 slashers like I am. But if you are, this one's a lot of fun. <laughs> nice. I love that. That's super fun. I ended up finishing American Horror Story double feature. I See, saw the first six. Yeah. The first story. Mm -hmm. What did you think? I liked it. I did too. The first six, amazing. I mean, I, I, I don't know if they necessarily stuck the end, but I really enjoyed it. It was a really fun ride. I liked the shark people or whatever they were called. I liked the whole... I just... I felt like it was back in the saddle with some good American Horror Story horror. And Macaulay right? Culkin was awesome. Yeah, he was and really I, good By the that. way, I really mm -hmm. like him. Everyone I thought was good, and he was definitely great. And so I would say watching the first six of that season is is a go-to. Like, do it. Just do it. The last four, which is the second story, it's just so good that it was only four. Mm. Because it's not very good. And it's not very good. It's aliens. I was not riveted. <laughs> it was quite the letdown after the first six because yeah. I can tell you that the first six are good. And the first six is a contained story. Just watch the first six. Some of us, you know, you'll watch the last four anyway, no matter what anybody sure, says. Sure. Mm -hmm. And if you like aliens, you know, that's got some good moments, but it's pretty derivative. It's, it's not very horrifying. There's some horrifying ideas in it. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, alien stuff is hit or miss for me. Obviously, if it's aliens or yeah. a series, it's great. But um, or you know, ET or Close Encounters, then you've got me. But other stuff, it's really like I don't know. It's not my favorite. Yep, I guess. I mean, that's my deal. Watch the first six; very enjoyable. However, we can say that the first episode of Creep Show. Mm. the second story that had to do with the aliens or whatever mm-hmm. that was awesome okay good yeah. so that's your recommend on the alien yeah. front the, the, the this new season of creep show is awesome great i haven't watched any more since the first couple that we watched we should watch some more on discord yeah sounds good what so the other watch? movie that i watched was called the forest from 2016 which is a survival horror film with natalie dormer and taylor kinney Really interesting. I liked it. I, I describe it the way that you would in in other movies. You describe something as like a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's that too. So Natalie Dormer plays herself and her twin sister. Her twin sister has a lot of mental health issues and disappears at one point and they think maybe she's taken her life. Uh, the majority of the, the movie, the story is set in the Aokigara Forest. I might be mispronouncing that, but it's um, northwest base of Mount Fuji in Japan. So it's really like it's very atmospheric that way, mm-hmm. very dark, um, and it's a popular destination for those uh, wanting to die by suicide. So Sarah Price, played by Natalie Dormer, is an American woman, receives a phone call from the Japanese police telling her that they think her troubled twin sister, Jess, is dead as she was seen going into the forest. Despite the concerns of her fiancé, Rob, she journeys to Japan and arrives at the hotel where her sister was staying. So the rest of the movie goes into the forest. Taylor Kinney, he's sort of this red herring. You're not really sure whether to trust this character or not. Is he misleading her into the forest or is he really trying to help her? Uh, There's a couple of instances where she believes that maybe he's responsible for her death. So there's this whole other Hmm. story going on But then there's this other like supernatural component happening within this forest. And so as the movie continues, you start to wonder, is Sarah in touch with reality? Okay. And is she the one who's actually getting pulled in by this forest? I'm not giving anything away. Or is her, is her sister Jess really alive? So it's what you're, you're constantly in this guessing space Mm -hmm. and, I really like that the director sort of puts you in her headspace where you kind of feel like you're getting gaslit through it. Okay. And you're not really sure who to trust. And then the way that it ends, it's like, ah, okay. And then it, you know, it all sort of comes to it comes together. Together and slow burn for sure. But I, I actually I, it held my attention. It was oh, good. Oh, I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So there's always situations for us and I'm sure for you as listeners where there's a movie that doesn't get like particularly good reviews. In fact, it gets not, not good reviews, mm-hmm. but then you watch it and it's pretty good. You enjoy it. Yep. So always just take, obviously our opinions are our own. Exactly. <laughs> and we make recommendations on what we like. And then you sort of figure it out. Like, like I'm sure there are some people that listen and say, okay, well, if Kathy liked a movie, then I know I won't like it. I mean, right. that's another way to pick, right? Yeah, I've done have, that before. We have our categories. We have our genres. We and have I, our subgenres. And I've done that before, you mm-hmm. know, and you say, you say you're biased too. Like, oh, I really like slow burns. Or, oh, I really don't. Or, oh, I like slashers just mm-hmm. like you did. And I just, love that because yeah. of course our opinions are our opinions right. and then you get to gauge whether right. you're yelling at us or not okay so 
I actually got to catch He Never Died, which is a 2015 horror mystery thriller. And I realize it's obviously a few years old, but I really like Henry Rollins. Mm. He's somebody from my misspent younger days. He is that good. I used to love his spoken word. I loved his music. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really dug him. And I realized that I had never seen this movie, He Never Died, from 2015, and he's the star of it. A social outcast, Henry Rollins, embarks on a bloody quest to save his long-lost daughter from a crime syndicate. So it's exactly that. He's... um, It's like there's a sequel to this, too. Yeah, there is. And I enjoyed it. You know, he's a pretty... In this... If you know anything about Henry Rollins or if you listen to the spoken word, he's like a very charismatic dude. Very articulate, very dramatic. This is not that. He reels it all the way back in and he's pretty flat. He's pretty uh, equalizer, you know, just Mm -hmm. come in and kill type Mm -hmm. of type of vibes. I enjoy it. Not, of course, not the, he's got an innate charisma. So that's there. And he just does very little and is a killer. Cool. Yeah. I enjoyed it's, it. The premise sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, again, not a perfect film, not any way up, anywhere up there in the echelon. But man, it's a. It, I would say watch it if you like those kinds of movies where there's like a broken guy at the front of it, yeah. like a broken guy who's, you know, a an antihero. Yeah, yeah. And awesome. I like that. I like that basic premise. Very good. I also watched a movie called The Medium which is a 2021 horror film. Uh, It's two hours and 11 minutes. In the Isan region of Thailand, a shaman realizes that his nephew has been possessed. However, the goddess that appears to have taken possession turns out to be as benevolent as she first appears. I really enjoyed this film. (laughs) I, I like possession movies. I like Thai movies. Yeah, you do like the possession ones. So... Maybe you're not going to like it. I mean, there's a bit of a momentum issue. Like, the, of course, it's two hours and 11 minutes. So it's like, but it's a beautiful story. Mm, it does build momentum. It's very moody. It's got that atmospheric type of vibe. There's, mm-hmm. It's not like a jump scare, loud sound effects to make you crawl up your own butthole or anything up like that. Up your own haunted vagina. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of beautiful. I, I would say don't, don't think too much about it just kind of ingest it but i did think there's a there's a terror to it that i really enjoyed so cool i would give it a watch if i were you so the last thing on our agenda today is a little thing <laughs> no <laughs> i always want to make you sing the song again but now oh, we I'm are <laughs> we are going to do the answers or lack of answers honestly to the questions i don't think i know any of them <laughs> Number one, so what, there's that. What film was A Quiet Place initially intended to be a sequel to? I don't know. Cloverfield. Oh, really? I know. I was a little shocked by that, too. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Okay. Whatever you say. Number two, one of the ways the villain in this classic horror film achieved a particularly creepy vocal effect was to perform the calls upside down. Black Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I did know that one. That's good. I mean, and his voice is so creepy. Oh my gosh. It's, I mean, 
It is not. And, and it's ri- those calls and the whole, like the beginning of that movie, like the first 20 minutes or something, not for the faint of heart, really. There's no way, because it was made in 1978, when they remade it, they made it so PG and they go way more into the history of the new mm. one is just different, but they were nowhere near as vulgar and grotesque in the new one. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing black Christmas, the original for the very first time in that first 10 minutes and going, really, are they yeah. really doing this? Yeah, are there really, nasty. Is he really saying that? Like it's, it's kind of traumatizing. It, it is. If you have some triggers there, like, mm, it is not good. Number three, which region of the world started the mummification process 2000 years before the Egyptians? I mean, I'm I'm definitely just guessing. So yeah. uh, Africa. Uh, well, Egypt is part of Africa. Right. But no, it's actually the Chinchorro people of modern day Peru <gasps> and Chile. My, I was, yeah, yeah. was going to say South America was my second thought process, but I didn't. I wanted. Um, I don't know. Yeah. The South Americans were mummifying. Okay. Number four. Name one thing a snake is fearful of. Just, I mean, I'm sure they're fearful of lots of things. Mm-hmm. You name, I have one, two, three, four, five things here. Oh, okay. Uh, I know they're scared of us. A thing, though, not a being. Oh, remember? okay, right, right, mm-hmm. right. I forgot about that. Um, These are really random, too. <laughs> oh, good. Then I can just guess. Um, Raggedy Ann and Andy. No. <coughs> Smoke. Smoke. Water. S- cinnamon. Oh, cinnamon. Interesting. No, a lot of snakes like water. Onion, garlic, and lime. So just make them a paella. Or a vampire. Right? They're, so when you say afraid, I mean, I realize you're not going to delve into the research on this. But, yeah. but I, it's like, so if I just put, some, put those kind of flavors in an area where I don't want the snakes to go, like on the floor or something, they won't go near I, it. I guess they're aversive to like yeah, a lot they of those, just Yeah. Like you can put certain things down on the ground and ants go out, and ants go outside and throw thing of cinnamon at them. Lime juice all over the Throw like a bucket of nutmeg <laughs> at a python. <laughs> go away! Out damn spot. Here's your cinnamon, I you bastards. I don't know. Half the shit's probably wrong. Number five. <laughs> Okay, this is the only reason. I was not laughing at the fact that she got molested. It's just, go with me on this. During the filming of The Wizard of Oz, according to Judy Garland's ex-husband, who was Garland repeatedly molested by? I don't know, the director or like producers or something on the... The munchkins. Oh, come on. Like, That's why you were laughing. I mean, oh. like a handful of them. What? No. Oh. <laughs> okay. Molested meaning like groped or touched. Probably, or... yeah. <sighs> That's not great. That's, uh, yeah, disturbing to think about nonetheless. So I just Googled it. Gro- groped by munchkins, drugged on set, and put on a strict prisoner style diet. Garland went through hell making the film when she was just 16 years yeah, old. Yeah, she was, she was abused on that set without wow, a doubt. No wonder she had to show up to the set on drugs. Well, and I've seen some of the like I forget dramatizations of her in, yeah. in that. You know, I did see the most recent Judy movie um, with Renee Zellweger, which was really, yeah. really, really good. She yeah, was amazing she was fantastic. in that. But, yeah, yeah. It says she she was often groped by male actors playing Munchkins during the making of the movie. And to think, and you, I forget too. She was only sixteen, which makes it that much worse. It's awful. Yeah. And and 
the men were 40. It says the men were 40 or more years old. Yeah. Gross. That's awful. It's gross. Okay, thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> From the haunted vagina. To Judy Garland. To Judy Garland. Never miss a beat. Being molested. That's just, okay. okay. So today has been the light in the dark of life. <laughs> thank you very much for listening to the show. We will see you next time. <laughs> My name is Shannon. This has been an episode of Terror Shock. I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>